the vibes welcome back to another episode of the hoop genius podcast brought to you by nba 2k 23 i am omitsi alongside me as always back home now we missed an episode yesterday the one and only mr bj armstrong real name no gimmicks mo yeah we missed the we missed it yesterday i had to go i had to attend the lakers knicks game last night mm. so i was in the building you know the oscars here in la it was a lot going okay. on so okay. you know it's my bad you know it's my bad Mo, it's love. i wanted to be on however you know we had to have someone on point that was you know there in the building checking out things and uh so we got a lot to discuss my friend a lot to discuss that's right well i want to start with that game because the lakers are making a push they've been great since all their trades the knicks have been on a great run of form they're struggling a little bit on this West Coast road trip without Jalen Brunson in their lineup. They came up with the dub. What were your takeaways from that game that you were at? Because it's, it's a different feeling watching the game in the arena compared to from the TV at home. So what was your main takeaways from, let's start with the Laker perspective and then let's go to the Knicks perspective. Well, from the Lakers perspective, you can see the following. You can see that D'Angelo Russell in particular you know, he, he fits with what they're trying to do, right? He, he's a guard that plays downhill. He can score, even though he doesn't get to the basket as frequently as probably other guards, if you're comparing. However, he is a offensive threat on the floor, especially in screen role with Anthony Davis. I would imagine once LeBron gets back, that that is a, that's a lethal combination from this standpoint. D'Angelo Russell can score. And he can he can score in bunches. So that's the first thing. The second thing that was obvious to me was the New York Knicks are a physical basketball team. Okay. In particular, Julius Randle. Julius Randle plays through contact as well as anybody in the league, probably with the exception of Zion Williamson, as far as a non-center, right? I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not including Jokic. I'm not even including Giannis in that because he's a seven-footer. I'm not including players below seven-foot then. Players below seven-foot. He is a very physical player. And the way he plays, you really have to meet the physicality of the game. I was able to watch him now over the last three games out here on the West Coast. He's a very physical player. And those things stood out to me. It was a must-win for both of those teams. So it, the game was played at a very high level as far as intensity. It wasn't an exceptionally well-played game on both sides. However, you can see that both teams needed this game because of the Lakers for obvious reasons. And then the Knicks, clearly, they wanted to you know, finish as high as they possibly can. They were currently on a three-game losing streak. Yeah, that, that the game. game against the Clippers on Saturday was – that might have been the most the, boring game the, I watched all season. I, I thought it was – I thought that was a great game too because the Clippers had a – I'm going to tell you why I thought it was a great game. Because the Clippers had a game plan against Julius Randle and how they were going to meet the physicality of the game. And I thought the Morris, Marcus Morris, met the physical intensity of the game. He met Julius Randle chest to chest. Mm-hmm. And that to me was the difference in the game. You, ha- it's clear to me. Also, also Kawhi Knicks. Leonard continuing this superstar run of form he's been on for the well, last twenty four Ka- Ka- games. Well, what, what we know about Kawhi Leonard is when Kawhi Leonard pl- put, gets on the floor, he's a top five player. Well, you can say what we can say whatever we want to. Well, he's not playing. We can do all the criticism we want. 
however, Mo, yeah. when, when he there. steps on the, he's there, he continues, he's consistent at doing this. When he's on the floor, if he's not the best player, he's certainly right there on mm-hmm. both sides. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't say anything when he's there. However, He's not there. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's not there. But when he Well, he has there, I think he's he played like 24 of the last 26 games or something. He's he's been yeah, around yeah, yeah, for but about you know, a month or whatever now. He, he, yeah, okay, but it's an 82 game schedule and the games speak for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. When he is there. So, I can't say anything when he plays. When he plays Mo, he's the best player on the floor. So, you can see that he is looking more, more, more and more like the Kawhi Leonard prior to this injury, mm-hmm. and that, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to fall in because I picked them in the preseason. That was my favorite, as far as on the paper. Clippers. They were the, yes, they were okay. the. I looked at yep. the rosters yep. before they start playing. However, you got to play. Now the season is coming down to the end. Kawhi is playing, and you're saying. Ooh, I wouldn't want to face them in the first round. Let's just say this. I think they're no. going to be a tough out as long as Kawhi is playing. Mm-hmm. They definitely will. Uh, but back to the Knicks and the Lakers. Uh, the Knicks, obviously without uh, Jalen Brunson, it's tough for them. Julius Randle did a good job stepping up. I like that they just get contributions from everywhere. Like this guy, Isaiah Hartenstein. I thought that was a great pickup that they took him from the Clippers uh, during free agency. Emmanuel quickly, the way he springboarded off the bench. Obi Toppin as well and his improved ability to shoot. I think it's fantastic times for the Knicks. I think the Lake fans are going to be happy. The West is wide open right now. Um, let's head over to the East. where Boston Well, let's St- talk about Denver a little bit. Let's, before uh, we we'll, head over, let's we'll talk about... Back. I just got news, a, a news story before we get back into okay, that. Okay, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Just flicking through the news. I just got an alert on my phone from Mr. Wojnarowski of ESPN. And he says that Boston Celtics assistant Damon Stoudemire is finalizing a deal to become Georgia Tech's head coach. Stoudemire has informed the Celtics that he's accepting a job and was making the leap to the ACC. Now, is that right now, before March Madness, or is that for next season? Well, the season is coming to an end. I'm not sure. I don't follow college basketball like I used to. Um, I'm going to assume they probably didn't get to the tournament, right? Why would you get rid of your coach if your coach is having a successful time down in, at the collegiate level? However, you know, you have to recruit down there. So I would imagine he probably will start immediately because you have to start recruiting for next year, mm. which would probably take him out of coaching for the remainder of this year for the Celtics. That's what I would think, but I don't know. I'm just hearing this for the first time. I heard that yeah. prior to us, uh, you know, start taping here. So congratulations to Damon Stoudemire. That's a terrific opportunity. There's a lot of young talent down there in the Atlanta mm-hmm. area where Georgia Tech is located. And um, he's a terrific coach, obviously. And Child. he's had, yeah, he's had, you know, he's had experience at the collegiate level and the pro level. Great coach, great guy. And um, I thought that was a really good hire for for Georgia Tech. I mean, that's an outstanding hire. For the Celtics, um, looking at last season's coaching staff, their head coach, Jimmy Oka, is gone. Their assistant coach, Joe Mazzula, promoted to head coach now. Their other assistant coach, Will Hardy, is now the coach of the Jazz. And their other assistant coach, Damon Stoudemire, is now gone. So interesting times for their bench over there in Boston. But you wanted to talk about Denver. So let's fly back over to the West. 
Talk to me about the Denver okay. Nuggets. Well, they've had a couple, you know, tough losses. A couple tough they have. losses. They have. And, and you know, and, and, and listen, you know, it's it, this is this race is coming right down to the end, especially over there in the in the in the in the in both conferences. But in particular now, you know, you know, I still think they're up probably four or five games in, in the standings. However, you know, you want to be playing your best basketball. Now you can say, well, it's the end of the year. And, and, and I think that's right. You know, I'm not panicking or anything, but, you know, just something to be. Be, you know, just aware of, you know, when teams, especially when your best player is playing at a high level. I mean, he's putting up massive numbers, but they're not winning. Well, let, so let me I'm ask you take this. a look at those games. Because this is a thought I had the other day and I wanted to get your opinion on. Is there such thing as peaking too early? Because the two teams that have won throughout the regular season this year, the Boston Celtics in the East and the Denver Nuggets in the West, they're now four and six in their last 10 games. Whereas when you look at, you know, the Bucks are eight and two, the Sixers are seven and three, the Kings are eight and two, the Suns are seven and three. Is there such thing as peaking too early in the regular season? And are we seeing these teams, maybe teams have started to figure them out or they've run out of steam as we get towards the postseason? Is there a danger of that? Well, you know, if I if if I didn't play, I probably would have I or I probably would agree with that way of thinking because you would say, well, they they're not playing well in the last 10 games. Then they peaked. However, Mo, when you get to the playoffs, you know, the score is zero, zero. Yes. <laughs> that's a, that's a, okay. I lost on February 13th. Okay. What does that, what does that mean? I lost yeah, on yeah, March. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Okay. The, the score the, is zero. The zero. other side of it is as well is, do you think that when teams have a lead in their conference, is there a danger of getting bored? Um, and just saying, all right, no, I, don't I think can't wait for I don't the playoffs get to get here. I don't think you get bored. But what I do think, Mo, is what I do think is, you know, you have to fight the human tendencies and human urges, for instance, to overlook teams, right? You you have to be present in the moment. So you'll go, oh, well, we're playing the 12th, you know, place team in the Eastern Conference if you're the Denver Nuggets. Well, it's only natural that you think, well, we should probably win this game. However, you got to go out there and win the game. Mm. And then when it when you lose, it's like, well, what's going on with them? They it, No, it's just, you know, mm. these people, these players are human. So you have to continue, continuously stay on edge. You have to continuously figure out ways to play, why you're playing. And it's only natural that you want to get to the playoffs, right? Especially if you're the yeah. Denver Nuggets or the Boston Celtics on the hand on the, what's interesting. As I watched the Boston Celtics, I watched them against Atlanta. I think it was over the weekend or yeah, that was, that was a um, Saturday, Sunday night, Saturday night. Saturday, Saturday, yeah, Sunday, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of these nights. The thing about the Celtics that I find interesting is you can tell they're just ready for the playoffs. Now they're like this regular season stuff. Okay. We're ready. Yeah. They're, they're like, a, let, let, they're, they like a team like, like, okay, I don't care if we finish one, two, three. They don't care where they finish now. I just think they are ready. Mm. And I watched them the other day and I'm saying they have something to prove, right? They've gone through a lot of adversity. I always, 
you know, Mo, you, you know, you and I talk about it on air a little bit, but not as much off air. One plus one, if it equals two in your book, you're probably not going to be successful in this league. Mm-hmm. This is a group that's very capable of functioning in a dysfunctional environment. Let's just think about all the changes they've had over the last year. Their coaches. Okay. You know, Coach Edoke, we don't have to revisit what happened. Okay. Now they're losing Damon Stoudemire. They've had their previous head coach before that. Now he's the GM. We've had the GM leave. They've had coaching changes with their assistants. They've had a lot of things. And by the way, by the way, they still went to the NBA finals. <laughs> okay. They weren't playing well last year at the beginning of the first half of the season last year. So this team is battle tested. This team is very mentally, they're tough and they can focus when they need to. So I like this group and I think this group is ready to do one thing. I think they're ready to get back to the NBA finals. I th- I, win I would say this. The NBA finals this year. To, to slightly disagree, last season, the Milwaukee Bucks tanked their way out of the second seed to avoid the Brooklyn Nets, and they got the third seed in the playoffs. And they came to regret that decision when they had to play Game 7 on the road in Boston as Grant Williams destroyed them and sent them home. And the Milwaukee Bucks, from everything I've heard, very much regretted their decision to tank that final game of the season because they feel as if they had had Game seven at home, they would have won, even though Jason Tatum destroyed them in game six in Milwaukee. But in terms of being in the playoffs and having those game sevens, because we know the Celtics love to make life difficult for themselves, the Celtics should be still trying to go and get that number one seat so that they can, if they are planning on getting to the finals, having the best record in the entire NBA so they have home court advantage throughout the entire thing. Well, I I, I tend to focus more on the things to me that make up professional sports. You know, you have to compete. You have to win. And then it has to be entertaining basketball. Now, for whatever reason, when I see an organization or a team don't compete and don't try to win, for whatever the reason may be, that shows me something within the group that's not where it needs to be, okay? I can accept losing. If you play the last game of the season and you lose it, because the other team was better, I'm okay with that. However, when I hear what you just said, if that is the case, I, I wasn't aware of it. It was the case. If that is the case. Yeah. If that is the case, that to me seems a flaw. That's a, that's a flaw. Now, I because you don't turn it on and turn it off. Either it's well, on they, mode They also, like, if it's the final game of the season, they also don't want their players to get injured because it just takes a split second right. for an injury to happen. So they just benched all their starters, whereas the Celtics did the okay, opposite well, and they played their guys. Well, whatever the case, I, I, again, again, well, that, that's that's for debate. However, what I don't want any of my players to ever do is for whatever the case may be, is not try to win. Yeah. I mean, that, that, is, it, is it possible to win every game? No. No one can win every game. No one's ever won every game. However, it is possible to try to win every game. And that is the, that's, that's to me, that's an attitude. That's a decision, a choice that you have to make. And people, you can be concerned about all the other things. However, Mo, injuries are a part of the game. And that's just what it is. Injuries are going to occur. So you have to go out there and play. That's me and saying the, the, 
you know, the, 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 that that's just the nature of the game and injuries are going to happen. So, but again, I don't know if that was the case, but I would like to think that no matter what the scenario is, always, always do your best. And most importantly, if you're going to be the best team, you got to beat everybody. You, there's no way of dodging. Bo, there's no way to dodge the best guy. Yep. The best team. There's well, no, Mo, it doesn't, yeah, it never the Milwaukee won the championship. They could have dodged the Miami Heat in the first round. But instead, what I commended them for was they went head on. They took out the Heat in yes. four games and yeah, they carried yeah. that momentum the whole way through. So, absolutely. Mo, we'll see, that is the, you the know, basketball, whatever it is, the game demands excellence. You can't dodge it. You mm-hmm. can't, you can't, you can't duck it. So this isn't heavyweight boxing. There's no ducking <laughs> and diving here. <laughs> uh, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. I, I, so I would hope, I would hope that the Celtics and the Bucks meet when they're supposed to meet, and don't, don't play that game trying to. Well, I don't want to see them into the third round. No, play them, d- d- play them, show up, because that that says something about your group. Yeah, so we're talking about the Denver Nuggets, though. The Celtics obviously have that, you know, we're ready for the playoffs. We were in the finals last year. We're going back this year. But the Nuggets, who have been leading the West all year long, they are 6-4. and four. They've, you know, they've had some questionable games recently. They had a chance on Sunday night, for example, for Jokic to score the game winner. That didn't go in um, against the new-look Brooklyn Nets side. But are you more concerned about them heading into the playoffs? Because someone said to me this week, when you think about the Nuggets, the last time they were fully healthy, they were the two seed and made the Western Conference Finals. Now, Jokic is better, Michael Porter Jr. is better, Jamal Murray is healthy, they're the first seed again. What's going to stop them? Are you concerned about them? And, well, here, and yeah. Not about Jokic's pick-and-roll defense, because we've done that like four or five times already. Here, here's what I'm going to look at. First of all, I want to look to see what the team know about this league. About what around Lee are saying, okay. This, you know, I, the the one thing Mo, that that I always, I, I always want to respect the players that play. I want to respect the coaches and the people who are performing. They're doing it. What I like to do is with our viewers and our listeners is well. The thing that that Lindsay, I I want to take a look over the last three or four games and see if I see if I begin to pick up any tendencies that the other teams are saying, this is how you beat this team and see how they're countering this. You know, when I start seeing teams in the league, you know, it, it when they, when you figure out how to beat a team, it passes around the league very quickly, very quickly. Right. Cause they're all looking at the same thing. These teams are, are there. They all have advanced scouts at the game and then they start sharing the information. So the one thing I'm going to start looking at, I think they've lost what their last three or four games in a row. They've lost uh, three uh, losses in a row. Yeah. So I'm going to take a look at their last two or three games to see if I'm picking up anything, because again, very rarely do you see a good team or a great team or a great player. A, have lot, a lot of back. turnovers, a lot of turnovers from everyone on the roster. So yeah, might, that's whatever. what led me to know. my yeah. question of teams getting complacent or getting bored, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, well, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not qualified right now to to answer that question without seeing it. So I'm going to take a look 
Yeah, I to think see what I can pick up, and then maybe we can, you know, discuss it. Yeah, Jokic's defense will be what's highlighted um, by people pushing the MVP agenda. I think that there needs to be a conversation about Jamal Murray's play over the last few games has been definitely not what people would expect from Jamal Murray as he, who he was before the injury. But on the other end of the spectrum, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers have been catching my attention. Since James Harden returned from injury, they have the best record in the NBA. 33 and 11. They've been quietly creeping up in the East. And I was listening to um, a great podcast from our friends, Mark Stein and Chris Haynes, who recently launched their own podcast. Oh, okay. And okay. They, they were talking about the Sixers. And um, I just want to quickly get your thoughts on this before we wrap up here. Do you believe the Sixers, if you had to put a percentage chance on the Sixers winning the championship this year, what percentage would you put that at right now? A percentage well i you know i don't know i i, I see a lot of uh you know no team is perfect right and when i look at this team you know a couple things stand out to me one well and i've said this for the entire season so this isn't new is what is the when you look at a team you go okay you know who are they like you know you, you try to see what's their identity you know, James Harden now is at a at a at a at a place, you know, physically, you know, in his age where I don't I don't look at him in the same way I'm looking at like young players the at the pace that they play, right? So for instance, like a Tyrese Maxey. So when I look at this team, I say, Well, what's their brand of basketball? Are they a half court team? Are they a full court team? Are they a team that plays to their size, length? Are they a team that will play in transition, I'm not sure what to think of this team because they're, in my opinion, their best perimeter player is Tyrese Maxey. Why? Because he has to play at a pace. I've said this mo here. Doc Rivers, to his credit, has tried everything possible. He brings Tyrese Maxey off the bench. Now he's back in the starter role. They've tried to play faster. They've tried to play slower. They've tried every conceivable way possible to figure out who they are. What I do know is Joel Embiid is an elite talent. Joel Embiid can play either way. But how do you play Tyrese Maxey, who is arguably one of the fastest guys in the NBA, along with James Harden, who has struggled to play off the ball? He's always had the ball in his hand if he's going to be James Harden. And, and that so Harden-Embiid pick and roll is absolutely deadly. When you have a screen roll involving James Harden and Joel Embiid, it's just buckets on buckets. Okay, that, and then that's great. Maxi off the that's... ball as a cutter can utilize his speed when the game goes into the kind of half court. But I, I do hear where you're coming from. Yeah, okay. So, okay, those guys can play half court. But if you can't stop anybody, it, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, you, you, okay. So, so your concern is more defensive than offensive for the Sixers. Mo, you're, you're talking about winning here. <laughs> like, if you talk about winning, we have to half of the game is going to be played on the other side. Mm -hmm. So everyone likes to talk about like the offense. That's that's fun. That's cute. But you have to stop someone. You have to have a style of play that fits your personnel. You have to be able to create turnovers. You have to be able to have matchups advantages. And. I don't see it. I like I like I don't see it because 
you have to counter what James Harden can't do on the defensive end. And then you have to counter what PJ Tucker can't do on the offensive end. The Sixers have gone 15 and four in the 19 games in which PJ Tucker has scored zero points this season. Yeah. I, I mean, it's saying, and it's hard to play mode with, with a player on the offensive end in today's game. It's not an offensive threat. That's really, really hard. Okay. So again, I just see their best player, Joel Embiid, who is so, he's a dominant player, right? He's a dominating player. You have to make some type of adjustment to him if you're going to play against the, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers. However, Tyrese Maxey's greatest ability is to get out there in the open court. I mean, this young man is fast, Mo, right? When you watch him. That's an understatement. (laughs) Yeah, he is fast. But if you play too fast, now you can't incorporate James Harden and P.J. Tucker and Tobias Harris. Okay? I think Tobias Harris could probably adjust to that pace. Yeah. However, it just seems like, it, it just doesn't seem like it flows. However, they are all talented. James Harden, clearly, like you mentioned. I mean, look, I'm not taking away his screen roll ability. Is look, he can pocket pass and score. He, he might be one things. of the best that we've got in the league when it comes yeah. to ball handling. But but if you're talking about winning, you got to get some stops, and it's all about matchups. And I'm not sure who they are. I don't even think they know who they are. But what they do know is they have talent. And you know, sometimes if you just keep playing long enough, they'll figure themselves out. That's kind of a a philosophy great players or good players will figure out how to play with one another and 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 for philadelphia's sake maybe that's the case and what they're hoping for yeah well we got a little bit left of the season now bj it's just over a month now until the playoffs begin i can't wait we're gonna be back with more all throughout the week and um fingers crossed for tomorrow because we may have a very 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 exclusive interview coming at you oh exclusive interview but it's it's in the works pray for me okay pray for the kid hey, anyway can you give us can you give us the answer anytime soon though i don't know about that bj if you know then you know but we're gonna have to stay ready you know what i mean make sure you guys subscribe so you don't miss it stay locked in and until next time get buckets